Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I am so excited today to be visiting today with Kendra Roll and Julie Fisk. And we're going to put a shout out to Kristen Demery, who doesn't feel good today, but we wished her the best. She's one of these three authors in a book called The Hundred Daily Acts of Friends for Girls. And I love the term girls because I call, I use the word girls for lots of things. They're the, you know, my girls that, you know, live on my chest. They're my kids that run around. They're also my friends that are really close to me. So I love that these are acts, daily acts for girls. I love that you use that term because, you know, as we age, many of us think like, well, we're not a girl. And I have a friend who's 93 and I call her girly and she loves it. She's like, oh my God, I feel young again. Because why do we lose that, that joyfulness of youth just because we're grown up women with kids, a job and a mortgage. So welcome to the show, Kendra and Julie. So now are you guys girlfriends? Is that how you came about, you know, putting this great work together? We are girlfriends. Um, Actually, Kendra and Kristen are sisters and I joined their tribe when we were all in our twenties. So we have done a lot of life together at this point. So we do call ourselves girls. Um, yeah. What do you think, Kendra? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have been, we have been doing life for a long time together. So we've been writing since what year, Julie, like 2012 together. Mm-hmm. And so we've written several other devotionals as well. And so we, we love this idea of daily acts. And when we were talking with our publisher, we're like, you know what? We think friendship is a really good idea. This is like, something that's valuable to us, but we were kind of like, I think this is something women and then girls need as well. And so we were like, we just, we wrote two books now with these daily acts of um, friendship. And I feel like we could write more, right, Julie? Like, it's just such an important topic. Yeah. We did one specifically for adult women. And then we did this, this particular one is for our tween girls. Um, ages eight to 12, we all have daughters. So we're all right in the middle of this, like in between stage, like upper elementary school, middle school for girls. And as we navigated it ourselves, but then also as we navigated it with other moms around us who were raising daughters, there's so many tears around girl friendship, our daughter's tears, the mom's tears, 
and this, both this idea of like, I want my daughter to not somehow some of the regrets that I have and go into adult female friendship much healthier than I did. Like, can I just smooth the road for you a little bit? Um, so that's what this particular book is geared towards is um, that middle school age girl and this idea of like smoothing the road for her um, and maybe helping her establish some really healthy habits before she has some healthy boundaries. Like, you know, I have kids and, you know, I have two boys, so I have a different perspective of boys. And, you know, people think, oh, you're raising boys. You can have no opinion on girls. Well, that's not true because I am the carpool mom. Like I'm the one with the van that seats eight. I'm the one who picks up kids. And I'm also the work at home mom in my neighborhood. Like I'm literally home. So when Hannah had a fever, like, can you go over and pick her up? Can she stay on your couch? You know, all these things, of course, pre-COVID. But, you know, all of these things, and it gave me a unique look into the lives of daughters, because a funny thing happened, you guys, I'm single, I have been single since my kids, I was suddenly single at uh, my kids were three months old and two and a half years old. And my husband got up one day, walked out and said, this is not for me, and left the overhead, left the money, left the kids, left everything. And because of that, First of all, I was the town train wreck, which was great because there was nowhere to go up from there. But the other fun part was my kids and their peers didn't see me as a real parent. You know, my kids' friends, one time I asked them when they were all over, I had the pool that also made me really popular. Um, I would ask them, what do you guys think I do for a living? I have been everything from a spy to a call girl. So... You know, it was fun for me because I did have a lot of babysitting after school because my work is mostly on the East Coast. I'm either setting my own recording time or I'm done by noon. Like I might be up at four, but I'm done by noon. So that was perfect for me to be after school mom. And I would go pick up, you know, anywhere, four, five, six, seven, eight kids. And it was great because other than being in a legal daycare, you know, I could pick up kids after school, babysit, and moms would drop off groceries for me. Sometimes they would fill up my car with gas. They would do favors for me. A single dad in the neighborhood said, well, you watch my two girls after school, get them to soccer. I'm happy to do it. He put that fake grass in my backyard. So I never had to mow like other than the IRS, everybody's happy. And so having these little ones in my household and having them not see me as a real mom, because I don't look like a real mom. I don't act like a real mom. I don't dress like a real mom. And they're like, wow, we look at you on the internet. There's pictures of you. You're not a real mom. So I found them telling me things and I forgot how cruel um, eight to 12 year old girls can be. Now, what I'm finding though, is boys can be as cruel with social media, but they're more my punchers. Like, you know, they're kicking each other in the pool. They're one and done over it. Somebody comes in with a black eye or a sore toe because they stomped on their foot. And, you know, girls, before we go any further, I'd like to thank our sponsor. You know, today, as we talk about 100 Acts of Kindness for Girls, we'd like to thank Indeed. And, you know, you're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. And you need a hiring partner who makes your life easier. You 
you need Indeed. Now, Indeed is spelled I-N-D-E-E-D, Indeed.com. And you can get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash motherhood. So go ahead and check that out while I'm telling you all these great features about Indeed. So Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, who doesn't love that. You post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. This is all in there. It's so great. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. And with tools like Indeed Instant Match, it gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skill tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. Who can't use more time in their day? You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own and then add your must-have requirements so only pay for applications that meet those requirements. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. I mean, who doesn't love that? If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Now, to get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash motherhood like today's show, Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash motherhood, Indeed.com slash motherhood. The offer is valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Now, you guys, you need to go check this out. And if you have mom friends who are in the process of hiring for their company, tell them about this great offer because you will be so glad you did and you'll be able to help your friend. And, you know, that's so in alignment with what we're talking about today. You know, we're talking about the 100 Daily Acts of Friendship for Girls, and we've got the authors on with us today. And, you know, there's a question that I've always wondered about when it comes to mean girls and mean moms. Do we learn to be mean to each other as a biological imperative survival instinct? Do we have rotten moms? <laughs> or is it just from watching all these TV shows and social media where the kids are awful and everybody thinks it's funny? Because what I don't understand, and I have sisters and I have brothers, and I was raised in an intact household with no divorce, but lots of cousins, lots of everything. There is no one meaner than my oldest sister when she's mad at me. She will drill right into the absolute core. And I'm like, does this go back to that biological imperative of women like trying to get the, you know, kill the other woman to get the mate? Like, where does it come from? I think it could come from any of those things that you listed. Really, It feels like the odds are kind of stacked against us. I mean, I, it's true. I think it can come from so many different things. And especially, I feel like, like you said, eight to 12, it kind of starts then. Yes. So if we don't recognize it in those young ages, I think it will stay with you into adulthood, especially some of those habits. So um, like Julie and I were just talking this morning about um, insecurity in, in a, in a young girl that she's seeing and kind of talking with her about how she's treating other people 
out of this insecurity. So I think part of it is it can be insecurity. It can be wanting to feel better about myself. It can be, it can be that someone else is mean to us. I mean, let's be honest as a parent, I love my kids and I do my best. Um, but I don't always talk to my children. And, and there are parents out there who, who aren't that great of parents. So can it come from a mom? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, some of the stories we even heard from women, um, they were wounded maybe by girls their age, but there are some women who had stories of being deeply wounded by their mothers. So that definitely can come into play. And I have a seven-year-old daughter. When you talk about like YouTube videos and stuff, we have seriously limited her YouTube watching time because she's starting to sound yes, <laughs> some videos. And I'm like, it's, it's not that it's so much like saying inappropriate things like swearing or things like that, but it's just like, it's got like an edge to it, like kind yes. of a cutting. And I'm like, way that she says things, I'm like, we maybe need to stop watching some of these shows so much. So, right. Cause I have these kids in my car and I have a couple of favorite go-to stories from, you know, 10 years of driving kids. And I had this little kid, Nick, who was the cutest little thing. He was like this little round butterball kid. He would never hurt a fly. He and his sister are sitting in the very back seat of my van. You know, it's like a three row seat thing. And we had a rule in my van, you guys, that said, what happens in the van stays in the van. So I would pick the kids up from school and they could tell me anything. I mean, anything. And I actually regretted in middle school, the anything line and that, cause I'm like, you know, and I said, but you can tell me anything and you can tell me, and I won't judge you. I won't, but if I think you're going to hurt yourself or someone else, I'm going to, I'm going to do something, but I won't run to your mom. I won't, because a lot of these kids that I picked up, the parents were working a lot. There is no parenting in the afternoon. And I would tell the parents, these are my rules. If you don't like it, don't have me pick up your kid. And only one person took issue with it over my, you know, whatever, 13 years of driving kids. Um, But I said to Nick, Nick said something and I said, well, what's the matter, Nick? And he goes, well, I'm afraid to go home. Can I stay at your house tonight? (laughs) And I said, oh, well, you know, what did, what did you say? Now this is a five-year-old because his sister was seven. And he said, I called my mom a M-F-U-C-K-E-R. And you know, I'm driving going like, <gasps> like, you know, what do you say at that point? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I called her. And I said, you called her a what? And he said it really loud. And all the other kids in the van are laughing. And I said, well, where did you hear that? He goes, well, a movie that my dad was watching it. I heard it last mm. night. And he said, you know, the guy was really tough. And the guy was really, he goes, I wanted to be big and tough. And then I said, I said, nobody else in the van talk. And I said, Nick, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. Like he had literally no idea. And so, you know, once we got home and everybody's fed and they're swimming in the pool or whatever, I called that mom and I said, please don't wash, you know, Nick's mouth out with soap. I want to give you a little bit of intel. This is why he said it. Because I think sometimes, you know, when you talk about your kid repeating what I call the chippy sarcasm. Like, yeah, mom, you give me peanut butter for lunch. Uh, you know, that kind of obnoxiousness. They don't really have that filter, especially the younger ones, to know what they're saying and why. So I have found with the help of a parenting expert called Sharon Silver, a practice parenting, she's guided me a lot through my parenting 
<laughs> misfortunes, um, to say, why would you say that? Or to say, try again. You know, because sometimes they're in a bad mood. Let's be honest. We're always that way. We can be snappy. Kids can be snappy. Try again. You know, say it to me in a respectful manner, but in a way that doesn't fracture your relationship with your child or put you in that all powerful parent position. I was raised in a military household. I know about the all powerful parenting position. It doesn't, it doesn't exactly encourage you to have really good dialogue. And these girls, ladies that would come to my house, you know, as little girls, now they're teens, they're two of them are in their senior year. They will come and say, Miss Sandra, can I come over and sit at your table and it's not that I'm the greatest mom in the world, but I listened and I asked questions. And I think many of us, especially with COVID, have learned, wow, we're kind of buried in our phones. We're buried in our work. You know, we're not looking at our kid. We're not, you know, and before we reach for the bar of soap to wash their mouth out, especially today with all the influences of social media and digital media, asking that million dollar question of why would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things we talk about and why we wrote this book for girls and, and, you know, it's like you said, you don't just have to be a mother. I mean, this is for mentors, for aunts, for Mm -hmm. youth leaders, like, Anyone who has influence or has girls in their sphere, absolutely. This is not just about mothers and daughters, because certainly we all can be influential in girls' lives. But these conversations um, need to happen on an ongoing basis. It's like you said, this is not a one and done, you know, let's talk about this aspect of friendship, or let's talk about this part of relationships. But it's this constant um, being open, like you said, being willing to listen, being a a safe place for conversations to happen. And one of the things that we've done with our kids too, is to say to them, there's no topic that's off limits with us. You will say nothing that will ever make us uncomfortable. There's nothing we won't talk about. And in relationships or, or really any aspect of life. And I think when we, as adults do that for kids that creates a place for them to go okay to talk through some of these things because you're right social media was not around when I was a kid and so that adds a whole nother layer to relationships in general and and friendships and I feel like it was friendship was complicated when I was a kid already and that just adds even more to it. And if we as adults aren't willing to be there for girls and boys, you're right, it's not just girls, um, to kind of navigate these things with them, uh, they're going to they're gonna kind of fumble along, I feel like, um, because they need us. You know, they need our expertise and our wisdom. Well, and they need more than, and I'm just going to say this, they need more than just mom. You know, like what I love about what I'm hearing, you know, Kendra, you and your sister, Kristen, you know, are obviously, you know, kind of, you know, together. And then you brought Julie into this mix because I'm sure you guys can, can um, relate to this experience. One of my sons, my younger son's a dancer. He's a very good dancer. He's also like a slip of paper, like 80 pounds soaking wet. And he's in ninth grade. So he's beautiful. He flies around like a butterfly. They throw the the senior girls and the dance team, throw him up in the air and he comes down and and they catch him because he doesn't weigh anything, you know, but he spends a lot of time with all these girls and 
there's so much fat shaming that goes on in the dance community. And then we watch, watch this and I don't care if you pull my sponsorship dance moms, horrible show, horrible, you know, you know, exploitation of what women think like, because I felt Mm -hmm. it was permissive and it allowed the dance moms to act even worse because it was okay. Cause it was on TV, but I had a particular problem with some of the girls fat shaming and one fat shamed a kid in my car and I pulled the van over. They thought I was a lunatic. I made the kids get out on the side of the road and they had to sit on this log, you know, like, you know, the telephone pole. And I'm like, we are not moving, you know, till we talk about this. And, you know, this idea of I'm going to, I'm going to make you feel so bad about yourself in the hopes of making myself feel better, which we know is temporary, mm-hmm. you know, but if anybody's had sisters or mean girls or mean friends and my son, when he got to be, I think it was eighth grade, a couple of the dance moms got in this competition with me. They each wanted my son to be the partner for pas de deux, which is a ballet, beautiful ballet thing. My kid has those long arms, long legs that make him a beautiful ballet dancer. And there were these three moms. And so I wasn't going to make the decision to choose between the girls who's going to be his partner. So I said to him, you know, Zach, who do you want for your partner? And he goes, I will only be this girl's name. And I said, well, what's wrong with the other two? He goes, they're so mean, mom. Mm-hmm. They're so mean to the other girls. And he's like, you know, cause he's in eighth grade. He thinks about himself. He's like, eventually they're going to be mean to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but so much of our television and our social media and the things that are funny on Mm -hmm. the internet, you know, granted, I I do laugh when people fall down and when they do those fat people videos, which is fat shaming, I know it's funny. It makes me laugh. I don't know why I'm built that way. It just is, but it doesn't make it right. Like just because it's there, just because she's there or somebody's different you know, that gets to the core of our humanness. And I don't care if you're male or female, mean is just mean. One thing we've had to define for our girls very specifically is who's actually a friend. Um, And so we've had to have some really specific conversations around frenemies. And there was a situation in which um, my daughter had a rough year, one year, and I monitored her texts. And there was this text conversation. It wasn't bad, but it was between her and a girl who had been very mean to her. And when I went back, you know, I followed this text and it was innocuous. It was about, it was about nothing and it was not bad. But as I went back at the text conversation, I realized my daughter had initiated it. And I sat down and I said to her, um, she didn't have access to you until you gave her your number. And now she has access to you and she can reach you. And you have to think about that in a slightly different way. And so um, just helping, I mean, it sounds like your son had a very, he had it sort of figured out already, but sometimes, especially for our younger girls, understanding who's a friend because the teachers call everybody a friend. Like I've had to redefine friendship for my kids. Friendship likes, you know, on social media. You're all right. You're uh, the, the word friend has really become this diluted term. And so our children's idea of what a friend is, is different than what we grew up thinking yes. what a friend was. They're actually acquaintances and classmates, and you can be nice and kind, and you should be. However, 
that doesn't make them your friend. And they might actually not be your friend. They might be working against you. Most of them, let's be honest, most of them aren't. You know, like my little one that has that great epiphany only came because since kindergarten, guys, he was the smallest in the class. Like he wasn't the smallest girl. He wasn't the smallest boy. He was the smallest. And he wasn't the smallest in Mrs. You know, Russ's class. He was the smallest in the whole second grade. Then he went the smallest in the whole third grade. And people thought it was funny to pick him up. People thought it was funny to, mm. you know, put him up places where he, people hold stuff up and couldn't reach him. So, you know, where he couldn't reach. So, you know, through that came a lot of discussion of absolutely like, Who's got your back? You know, do these kids share your same values and vision? And, you know, those are adult terms, but I will tell you a kid who's being bullied or picked on my other one, like I, I kind of call it like my jokingly Beck family freak show because my youngest one is the smallest in his class all the time. My next one up, he was six, five at 16 with a size 16 foot, they look like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're, you know, brothers, same genetics, same everything. But one is the tallest thing. And he's the most quiet, shy thing. Then my little one, whenever they get in trouble at school, I'm like, what did you say to the little one? Because I know he said something, you know, but you look at these kids and you see this, this vast disparate between, you know, the two kids. And in our family, differences are celebrated because they have to be. You can't be just great because you're the tall one. My tall one's like, look, I can reach this. And then I'm like, you know what? Navy SEALs have to climb through storm drains. You're not fitting in the storm drain. He is, you know, things like that. But that requires you to actually know your kids. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of parents take the time to know their kids. There's many other, you know, distractions. There's many other things to keep their interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes parents have their own issues too. One of the things mm -hmm. we've kind of seen is that sometimes parents have their own struggles going on mm -hmm. around relationships, or maybe they don't have really great friendships themselves. And so how do we teach our kids things that we don't know? And so one of the things that, like Julie said, we have been talking to women for like the last year, women and girls, because this has kind of been the topic that we've been working on for forever, it feels like right sure. now, but for a long time. And part of it is helping women too mm -hmm. to say, how are you doing in your relationships and your friendships? What unhealthy habits do you have that you maybe need to address? How do we create healthy friendships for you to have that are supportive? And then how do you model that for your daughters? Because part of what we're trying to do, and, and again, not just our daughters, because we have sons too. So trying to model these relationships, what do healthy relationships look like? And it's kind of, it's having constant conversations, not only about our kids and their friendships, but our friendships as well. We kind of have let our kids in on some of that. Like Julie and I have been friends for almost 20 years now. And there have been times where we have apologized to one another, forgiven one another. Sure, of course. And, and I have told my kids about that because they need to know this mm -hmm. isn't just something that kids are asked to do. If you're going to be in good relationships with people as adults, you have to be willing to ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to forgive other people. Right, That's just just one aspect. But part of the problem or concern that we've been coming or noticing is that Adults don't always have such great relationships right. or friendships. 
No. And they're like the competitive moms raise competitive kids. Like, you know, I see so much of it. And that's where like, I feel like I have this unique gift of being like the town train wreck. You know, like when you're the divorced mom, when your husband leaves you and for somebody older, not younger, heavier, not skinnier, like, I'm like, come on, give me something here. They're supposed to leave you for a 20 something that's stick thin, you know, with, with a chest up to her eyeballs. No, not somebody not that you know we laugh about these things but when you're when you're that person you're the only single mom in the neighborhood you're the one that's struggling you're the one that didn't have a back window on her van for eight months thank god that we had the drought in southern california because it gave me time to you know save up to get that window so when you're already at this disadvantage and people you can see it on their face they feel sorry for you like oh that poor woman her husband left oh that poor woman you know whatever but they let their guard down around you when they think you're at a disadvantage and the funny thing is girls like yeah was i broke did i go through a foreclosure absolutely did I always know that God would provide for me? Absolutely. Like I had great faith. I think that's the faith is what got me through. When my mom died, I'm like, you know, I'm not happy that she died. I miss her every day, but I know she's home with her family. I know she's home with God. There's a certain level of comfort, but because I was that person in the neighborhood, oh my God, she's, her husband left her. Oh my God, she lost her house. Oh my God. Now her mother died. Her dog died. You know, like those things put me in the pity position So people would say things to me that I'm like, you know, they would show me more of their, there was no reason to be competitive with me, I guess is the point. Like you have a husband, you win, (laughs) you have a house, you win, you have a back window on your car, you win. Like, um, but I realized during that time, as I got stronger as a woman, as my radio career took off, as my I got into my house, you know, I, I actually had heat, air conditioning, running water, and a working washer and dryer, which I didn't have for many years. So as those things improved, what I found was some of my quote unquote women friendships all of a sudden it's like a competition. Like, Oh, you know, I have a boyfriend. He happens to be younger and cuter and a lawyer. And, you know, I'm like, I never looked at like, Julie, I would never look at you and go, Oh, your house is better than mine. Or Kendra, like, look at your family pictures on the wall. You have a better family than mine, but I will tell you most of the moms, not all of them, But most of the moms that I had experience with had like this pecking order. And as long as I was the low man on the totem pole and my, or totem pole and my kind of like, I used to call it my own lifetime movie, like as my own lifetime movie was so terrible, people could be generous, friendly, talk to me because I made them feel better because no matter how bad their life was, mine was worse. But then as things started to change, as my kids got a little older and I could work more, you know what I mean? Like when you have toddlers versus middle schoolers, whole different landscape, you know, all of a sudden I'm, Hey, I got it. I got a new car. You guys, were they happy for me? Not really. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. They, they, they weren't that happy for me. I think they're like, Oh, well, we're so glad it's better than the van without the window. Like, you know, and there's that competitiveness And that's where I think there's a whole bucket of, we are not okay as women. So how do we expect our daughters to come into this world and feel okay? 
my big blab, but you know, I just, I feel really strongly about it. Mm. Well, it's, it's a little bit learned behavior. I mean, I think I've thought about this a lot. I, it's interesting. I did not like women for a very long time. And then I found myself working and volunteering in a women's ministry and, and doing leadership stuff with the women's ministry. And, um, which made me laugh because I would tell God, I don't like women inherently. Like I feel afraid of them. They're scary creatures. They're kind of dangerous. And I don't know what to do with them. I have brothers. I don't have sisters. Um, and are only, are you a singleton? You're an only child. I am. I'm the oldest of three, but I have two younger brothers. Gotcha. And so very much like tomboy youth. Um, not a lot of friends growing up. One very, very good friend, but otherwise not engaging with other women. Um, and God changed my heart for women. I love women now. I really, I have a passion for women and relationships because this is what I think. I think the flip side of the coin of competitiveness and cattiness and gossip and insecurity is community. If when women are healthy yes. and we are doing it right, we are the glue of community and we are builders and we are the strength and we are the, like we are the bond. So when like there's conflict and stuff, it flexes, but it doesn't break because when we're really healthy, we come in and can say, okay, how are we going to navigate this? What are we going to do? How are we going to? And so, you know, our, I, I have learned that often that's the flip side of our strength coin is our weakness. And so, gotcha. you know, whatever I'm really, really good at, chances are my weakness is like the same thing, only the opposite. And I think that with women, if we all bond, if we all gathered together and ran together and drug everybody with us, we would be unstoppable for the kingdom of God. You would not stop us right? as women. Look at historically when women didn't work, let's go before women worked. women were responsible for all the social entities in the town, everything exactly. from the bake sale to the after school programs to whatever it was, we were the social glue that mm-hmm. kept the community together because the men either went off to work or off to war. But I think with that breakdown of the family and the shifting of roles, you know, because I wear both roles. I wear the mom hat, the dad hat, the nurturer, the provider, you know, all those hats are on my head. Um, And we mix it all up. What are our roles now? I mean, I work, I have to work. I don't have a choice not to, you know, whether a woman works or not is her choice. But that leaves open a whole gray area for women to find their role. You know, like I come from a big family. So I have, you know, a couple sisters, they're, you know, got nurses, I got a missile defense programmer, there's me, they never know what I'm doing. You know, and then my brothers are engineers, some of their wives work, some of their wives don't work. But everybody in our family, to a greater or lesser extent, has something that's that they identify for themselves special about them. And I think one of the things that's happened to us, and you guys are welcome to weigh in right, wrong, bad, good, and different, is when our roles have been spread, like I'm not just working mom, I'm not just stay-at-home mom, I'm not just mom of two, I'm now elder care mom, like all of these different roles mean I'm not good at any of them. I'm just surviving on all of them. 
which without those defining roles, without those systems that we found very restrictive, you know what I mean? That women fought against the freedom to have all this, but you talk about that flip side, you know, with this freedom comes, okay, now I'm wearing five hats and I kind of suck at four of them. And one of them's just hanging in there. How do I feel good about myself? You used to be, you could be a home baker and feel good about yourself. Your house was clean. You feel good. You know, your pie that you made in the contest was good. You feel good. You run something in your church. You're in the church choir and you have things that are good. We're so pulled in so many different directions now. If I said to you, Julie or Kendra, like, what are you really good at? You're probably pretty good at a lot of things, but what's the one thing you're really good at? How many roles do you have? How many kids do you have? How many dogs do you have? How many houses do you have? How many cars do you have? All of that abundance has kind of liquidated our roles of where we can be and feel good about ourselves because we do this thing really well. Well, I think the other component that came along with that was this idea that you can have everything you want, which on the surface sounds really, really good, but like you said, then it opens up all of these responsibilities and that feels overwhelming. And I've started telling myself and the women around me, I think that that's not exactly true. I think you can pursue every dream that you have in life, but maybe not just all at one time. Right. Maybe this is a season for this. Yep. So do that. Well, I mean, like when you have little kids, like you were saying, toddlers, Okay. I'm sorry, but there like so much other stuff just has to get let go. Like whether you want it to or not, it's fallen off the plate. Like it's just, so there are seasons to our lives. There are seasons to things. And I think that's the misconception is, oh my goodness, I have all these roles and I have to fulfill them all in my life right now. Right. And that's not always true. I, you know, Julie and I are writing books now. Our kids are middle school and older We don't have little kids. We have the time. We have the availability, the flexibility to do that, to go and speak and do different things. When our kids were really little, we didn't, you know? And so I think it's great to want to do different things. It's great to have dreams and to have goals, but to recognize what realistically can I do right now? And maybe what's for another season. Right. Absolutely. I mean, our seasons come and go. And, you know, like my kids, when they were little, I remember this one mom gave me the hardest time because I hadn't taken my kids to Magic Mountain yet. You know, we live pretty close to LA's Magic Mountain. And they're like, what do you mean you haven't taken your kids to Magic Mountain? And I'm like, first of all, okay, I don't need Magic Mountain. I have Laundry Mountain in my house. Like they can slide (laughs) down, they can play in that all day long. But, you know, they didn't realize as a single mom with two kids, now you're Sophie's choice of the roller coaster. So if I ride with you, what does that mean for you? And they're only, you know, a year and a half apart. So then it's like, okay, now I have to find another mom who wants to go on the same day I do. And thank God I found this mom, Christy Holly, who I will love to the day is done because she and I had the odd number of children that came together that made that perfect two-person roller coaster ride and we would go many places and you know we had this big van and you know we would go and do these things 
but it basically required us both to be at a disadvantage. Her husband's a mountain firefighter. So he would leave sometimes for weeks at a time. I'm a single mom. She was really good with the babies. Like she was like the diaper queen. She could diaper a kid faster than anyone. She could have her hand on one kid, one hand diaper the other and off she goes. Like I could never do those things, but I was super fun mom for like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I didn't care if you had to pee. I'll have you pee on a tree and I'll make you a hot dog while you're doing it. So, you know, it was one of those things and we still remain. She now lives in Idaho and I live in Los Angeles. We talk every week. We still share things. But the one thing that was perfect about our friendship and always is, is we were at that disadvantage. You know, I'm a single mom. Her husband's gone all the time. When I look at my other friend, Sharon, her husband's in the Air Force. You know, Jackie's husband is in the Air Force. Women who have a disadvantage realize there's no room for ego. So when you look at those, we can have it all. That's an ego statement. You know, I want to have it all. Who doesn't? Like, if you don't want to have it all, there's probably something wrong with you. Like, like that's the problem. But you have to recognize that's the ego speaking. That's not the soul speaking. That's not the spirit of God or the breath of God or why we're put on this planet. You know, we all have our roles to play and our, you know, like if you're like your husband works and you kids are older in school, you know, what are you doing? I expect you to do something other than watch Oprah in the afternoon. I don't even know if Oprah's still on, but you know, like we're here to serve. We're here to serve each other. I look at what you guys are doing with your book. You know, you're serving the greater good and it's a season in your life that works for you. You know, that's divine. So I have to ask you when there's three of you, which means there's always a tiebreaker. So You've got Kendra. Now, this is a total sister thing, right? I'm getting it now because you've got Kendra and Kristen who are sisters. And then we got Julie over (laughs) here, the not sister. So what do you guys do? Because as women, I think if we learn how to handle conflict, you talked about Kendra and Julia being friends for a long time. And if you screw up, you got to say you're sorry. And the other one has to say, I forgive you. And then for some reason, we both cry. I don't know why that happens, but that's like the way we play the girlfriend game. Um, And then we go back to being friends again. What happens when there's conflict in a threesome and two of them are sisters and you guys are business partners? Mm -hmm. That's a big, like, to me, I'm like, whoa, danger, real woman's in danger. You know, it, it surprisingly works really well. Julie is, and I've, if you ask my father, he will tell you that Julie is one of the girls in the family. So she <laughs> treat me like a sister, her mom and dad, like, yes, in the family calendar, the Christmas calendar, every year that Kendra and her parents are yeah. always in it. And her parents look for me. They're like, oh, there's Julie. Julie. Every year I'm in it. Yeah. Well, you have brothers. So these are like surrogate sisters. They exactly. are my sisters. <clears throat> they are my sisters. And um, when I was little, my dearest wish, I used to tell my mom, my dearest wish was to have a sister. And my mom was like, sorry, honey, I'm out. Right. And so I used to pray to God. Like that was my dearest wish when I was a little, little girl. I desperately wanted sisters. And it was about a decade ago. I was driving somewhere and I was just, you know how you talk to God yeah. in the car. And I was just talking to God. And I had, I just thought about that. I thought, you know, my dearest wish as a little girl was to have sisters. And he, and, and these faces just came across my mind of these women and Kendra and Kristen amongst them. 
And God said, Julie, I gave you sisters, don't you know? And I was like, yeah, right. That's true. Um, so it's funny because I'm an oldest and um, <clears throat> Kendra's the middle child who's now an oldest, has a lot of oldest tendencies and Kristen's the baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> funny. She stays out of it. Kristen's out of it. If Kendra and I are like trying to figure something out and we work it out, Kristen's like, I'm, yeah, you guys work it out. I'm the baby. So, I'm the baby. So she says, I'm the baby. No, we, we, um, are, we, uh, we, we assume the best of one another. We give each other buckets of grace. We recognize when somebody's going through, um, something on the side and just give them the extra space to do with, I mean, it is, it's a family. And I hear what you're saying because normally you should not be in business with your family or your best friends, but it works really well for us. We are, we are the poster child of what you're not supposed to do in a lot of different things, including being in business with one another. Um, and it's been the best thing for us. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with the mixing business and family because my family was a family business. Like my okay. first radio entries were Christy was my co-host on motherhood talk radio for the longest time. We had a ball, yeah. but I think it's, it's one of those things where I'm going to go back to, you know, I keep saying values and vision when we share the same value. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, family is super important. Friendship is super important. And that means supporting my family, like financially supporting. So if you get in the way of that, like Christy always understood, she had a husband, I didn't. So yes, you know, I'll be happy to stay up with you to figure this out so you can get paid. And I'm not going to demand I get my 50% because you're going to be out of your house, out of my life. Like there's like, when you talk about that grace, you know, when you're both aligned, like we both cared about our families. Like that mm-hmm. was number one. And after that was friendship. So we cared about our friendship. And, you know, so when you look at values and then what's the vision, the vision that we had was that we would go and do fun things as a family. And if that meant my husband wasn't part of it and her husband couldn't be part of it, you know, and I will end with this funny story because, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And I, I, I've come to just understand he has a wonderful sense of humor because Christy and I went one day and we went to this, um, I won't say the name of it, but it's a, a world famous zoo. And they had this thing going where you had to pay, the credit card machine didn't work. Well, we didn't have enough money to get all of the kids into the zoo we had driven two and a half hours on the freeway all together multiple pee breaks two diaper changes a partridge in a pear tree and we get there and the lady's like well you have to pay cash if you want to come in our things are not working and I'm like I don't have enough cash she's like I don't have enough cash she's like the only way we can do it is if you sign up as a family membership and you can then we can bill you And then I'm looking at her, she's looking at me, and she goes, honey, do that. (laughs) So I put down, like, Sandra and Christy, because, you know, we were a family. But she was looking at us, and you can see my face turning red as I tell this story, because I don't know if she thought we were a domestic partner. She thought, I, I don't know. Like, that's why I said God works in mysterious ways. And she's like, okay, love Like, and to this day, I still get 
promotions from that place for the two of us as a family. And it's like a really funny story, but it also got me to thinking, what is family? You know, for five years, we went to the beach, we went to the zoo, we went to Magic Mountain, we did everything as a family, because I didn't have a husband and her husband was off serving. So why shouldn't we get a family membership? And when I look at you guys, I think, okay, Julie, Kendra, and Kristen, why aren't you a family? Same values and vision. Exactly. You know, that's what we have to teach our kids. When we all have the same values, we all have the same vision, which is whatever it is for fifth grade, going into sixth grade, a vision for middle school, a vision for things. Your friends share the same values and the same vision, and then you can journey on through life together. So I want you guys to get a copy of the 100 Daily Acts of Friendship for Girls, right? And what other books do you guys have out? So that one, and then we have another book called The Daily Acts of Friendship, and that one is for women. We also have our first devotional that we have out with Tyndale is called Daily Acts of Kindness. Um, So that is for really families to do together. Um, But however you define family. However you define family. Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, you know, that's one of the things we tell people is do things with friends. Like it, you, it pushes you so much further when you do things with somebody else than when you try to do them alone. Um, so we totally hear what you're saying. Like your, your family is whoever you invite into that circle. When you're on mission together, man, you can go so much farther than you can by yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Julie and Kendra, thank you for being my guest today. Kristen, I hope to meet you at a later date. And I would love to do a show about the kindness book, because I think that's really important. You know, you can never go wrong with kindness. And one of the things that I taught my boys who are like, we're so strong, you know, they're boys like we're strong, I'm strong. It takes the strongest person in the world to be kind to someone who is unkind to them or has a completely different belief system that literally makes you want to tear your hair out. So we're going to leave you with those wonderful thoughts, Kendra and Julie and our, our friend Kristen, who's not feeling well today. We hope you feel better. We'll be back again next week with another great show. And you guys check out these books. They're definitely worth it. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.